Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. In this episode, we'll be focusing on the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP, as it makes its way through Parliament, or not. We give you the answer to why it's bad for workers. After that, we will talk to some of the delegates and organisers of the first Young Workers Conference, held on October the 7th and 8th. Delegates and rank-and-file members came from across the country and from New Zealand for the highly successful event held at the AMNF headquarters in Elizabeth Street, Melbourne. But first, some union news. Friday, 7th of October, the final Ford vehicle walled off the line at Broadmeadows, Victoria. Over 580 direct Ford employees and thousands of supply chain workers lost their jobs, the AMWU reported. Research conducted by the union in 2008, following the closure of the Mitsubishi plant in Adelaide, showed that only one-third of workers went on to permanent work six months after the closure. The remainder found themselves unemployed, underemployed or forced into retirement. The union is particularly scathing of the current federal coalition government following their decision to rip $700 million out of the automotive transition scheme, which was set up to help auto suppliers to diversify their product base. The coalition has known about this closure for over four years and have refused to lift a finger to help these workers to transition to another industry, the union said. It also made it clear that despite commentary about the extent of government assistance to auto production, a comparison of car-making nations worldwide shows that Australia has the lowest level of industry assistance to vehicle manufacturing globally. And while the factory has closed, parts of the Ford facility will continue to operate in Australia, including a testing facility in Geelong and a design centre in Broadmeadows. While the federal government is looking around to sell anything that hasn't been nailed down, the latest being the triple O service, some projections out of Treasury are beginning to show that the natural gas bonanza is probably a bonanza only for big business and their shareholders. In a classic case of leaving the fox in charge of the hen house, the self-regulating petroleum resources rent tax, PRRT, just doesn't seem to be returning the amounts that people would be expecting to fill Australia's coffers. Despite the fact that by 2021, Australia will be the leading exploiter of natural gas in the world, replacing Qatar, it has been discovered that Qatar will receive $26.6 billion in royalties 
on the same volume of gas that Australia will receive just $800 million. Did you get that? $26.6 billion versus $800 million on the same volume of gas. So when Chevron at the Gorgon facility in Western Australia complained that the MUA were getting in the way of profits by expecting Australian crews to continue running the local coastal ships, remember those figures. Not surprisingly, the Tax Justice Network has been alerting Australians that there is something wrong with our deal with the multinationals like Chevron at the Gorgon facility, Despite reports coming out of right-wing think tanks like the H.R. Nichols Society and the Menzies Research Centre that the problem with Australia's economy is sweetheart deals with union labour cartels, these new figures put the blame squarely on bad deals made by governments with corporations. Bad deals for Australian people, that is. Two men were killed, crushed, by formwork at the Eagle Farm redevelopment site in Brisbane on Thursday, the 8th of October. The incident clearly shows that the two men were at the bottom of a pit when first one and then another concrete wall fell on them, killing both men. CFMEU Queensland reported that days before the incident, another worker had refused to work because of safety concerns. A union safety official says the death of these two construction workers at Brisbane's Eagle Farm Racecourse are another example of why industrial manslaughter must become an offence under Queensland law. Just to finish off our news roundup, save the date October the 15th if you are in Melbourne. It is the anniversary of the Westgate Bridge Collapse. This year, the memorial for the Westgate Bridge collapse will take place at 11.30am on Saturday, October the 15th, when the bridge, which was under construction, collapsed just before noon on that day in 1970. 35 workers were killed and many more seriously injured, lest we forget. Check out the CFMEU's video on Facebook. You're listening to Stick Together. Workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. You're on Stick Together with Annie McLaughlin, produced at 3CR Melbourne and distributed by the Community Radio Network. The Trans Pacific Partnership, the TPP. You might be asking, what does that have to do with me? Well, rallies being held around Australia following the Senate inquiry into the TPP before it is put before Parliament is a place to find out how it will definitely put a big boot on the neck of Australian workers. Dave Oliver, the Secretary of the ACTU, was outside Victorian Parliament to explain. As a former National Secretary of the AMWU, today's a sad day. Today's a sad day for manufacturing in this country um, where we'll see the very last Ford motor vehicle roll off the production line in Broadmeadows. Ford's Australia's oldest car manufacturer. It began making vehicles locally here in 1925 and started 
assembly the Ford Falcon out of Broadmeadows in 1960. And after today, it's gone, it's finished. Holden's next. Their Elizabeth factory in South Australia is set to close early next year. And then Toyota's gonna to shut up shop in Altona a few months after that. But just like that, we've lost our automotive industry. And it comes as no coincidence that under our free trade agreement with Thailand, get this, we have exported the sum total of 100 motor vehicles from here in the Thailand. And in return, Thailand have imported 1.8 million motor vehicles in this country. And it's not a typo, I had to fact check it, but 1.8 million. There's a little known fact, by the way, that when Australia entered into the free trade agreement with Thailand, days after the deal was done, before the ink was even dry, the Thai government announced that they would initiate a commercial vehicle tax that stopped dead any prospect of Ford exporting territories in the Thailand. And we get told continually, free trade is in the benefit of all, it gives us access to overseas markets, and everyone's supposedly supposed to be playing by the same rules. And so it's agreements like the TPP, they should be negotiated in the full light of day, and Australians who will be affected by this should be able to say no if they disagree with it. Now trade deals mustn't just be free, but they've got to be fair, especially for workers. Now the union movement in this country, we're not against trade. You know, we are strong supporters of increasing international trade. But the TPP is such a bad deal that opposing it is probably the only thing that Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump actually will agree on. And in fact, in America, the land of the free and home, the fearless capitalism, they've managed better than us to maintain strong domestic interests or industries while still engaging in international trade. And you have to ask yourself this question. We've got the biggest free trading nation in the world that are standing up saying we should reject this deal and yet in our country we've got our government that are trying to trip over themselves to sign up to it. We've got the biggest free trade country in the world that has protections for their own industry. So in America for example, if the US Navy wants to get a ship or a submarine built any country in the world is welcome to bid on it, apart from those that are hostile. But there's one condition. If you win the contract, you need to build the entire thing in the United States. In America, a major infrastructure project, you want to build a road, a rail, a port, or an airport, well, all the material that goes in that must be made in the US because they have a thing called the Buy America Act. So they get it. Why doesn't our country get it? And we can't keep signing up to these unfair deals without doing more to support our local industries, our local businesses, and to stand up for local workers. Now, in this deal, Australia has agreed the temporary entry for all workers under its 457 visa program, covering no less than 651 occupations. And again, like chapter, they'll be exempted from any kind of local labour market testing. So we'll just be importing semi-skilled and skilled workers from overseas and overlooking our own local um, workforce. And this deal not only is a threat to jobs, it has the potential for a full frontal assault on our democracy and the right for our governments to make laws for the public good because it contains 
the so-called Investor State Dispute Settlement Clause, the ISDS. And what that means, if a foreign corporation doesn't like our governments or doesn't like laws that our governments are made because it might threaten their profits, well, they can sue the government in a secret tribunal by passing our court. And it's been used to challenge Australia's tobacco plain packaging laws and elsewhere to stop bans on harmful chemicals, to stop a rise in the minimum wage, to stop renewable energy and to stop a government from cancelling its plans to privatise its transport system. And in some of these cases, these secret tribunals, which, mind you, are made up of ad hoc three-member panels hired from a small club of private lawyers riddled with conflicts of interest, well, in some cases, they've granted billions of dollars to companies paid out of taxpayers' pockets. And this type of private adjudication is undermining our laws, it's undermining our sovereignty and our democracy. Now, if Dave's speech doesn't give you the heebie-jeebies, then listen to Karen Batt from the CPSU as she explains what's in store for Australia. As our previous speakers have highlighted, the TPP contains many threats to Australian sovereignty and our right to determine the type of country we live in by undermining the powers of government to regulate the behaviours of multinational corporations. The TPP prioritises the rights of private companies over the workers and the communities they live in. It undermines democracy by curtailing the rights of democratically elected governments to regulate in the public interest by giving corporations the right to sue governments for legislation that impedes their profits. But there is another free trade agreement on the horizon. It is even bigger than the TPP, and that's the Trade in Services Agreement, known as the TISA. Like the TPP, TISA has been negotiated in secret. If you want to know what TISA means in a few words, it's this the total commodification and privatisation of all of Australia's public services. TISA will provide foreign service providers free access to domestic markets at no less favourable conditions than domestic suppliers and would restrict government's ability to regulate those services to be provided. Disputes regarding a government's attempt to regulate an industry or the provision of services in the public interest that may impact on foreign investors' activities or its profit margin could be subject to litigation under any of the other bilateral agreements that already exist, using the provisions that they have a legitimate expectation of fair and equitable treatment, thereby raising concerns for any regulatory system a sovereign government may determine as necessary for the public good. That would include occupational health and safety laws, workers' compensation laws, environment protection laws, consumer protection laws and labour laws, to name just a few. Litigation under these agreements does not include an appeal mechanism. Due to the strong opposition of the United States government and the apathy of the Australian government, who have not pushed for an appeal mechanism on any of these dispute areas, saying it is not necessary or practicable. Showing that the interests of multinational corporations are of more importance for the Australian government than the interests of the citizens it's supposed to serve. Sanctions against a country that loses such litigation can include compensation for the loss of projected income or the suspension of other rights they may have entered into into other such agreements under the World Trade Organisation, such as agreements on intellectual property rights. An example, as Dave mentioned, is currently underway in Portugal, where the Mexican Transport Corporate, a company is suing the Portuguese government for 45 million euros because the government decided against privatising its transport network. 
TISA is bigger than the TPP. It involves 50 countries and accounts for 70% of the world's economy. The signatory companies will seek to impose the deal on the rest of the world via the World Trade Organisation. TISA differs from the traditional trade deals as it is only about services, it is not about goods. It is not so much about trade, but allowing multinationals to provide services across sovereign borders. It treats services as marketable commodities and treats citizens as consumers. Like the TPP, TISA undermines democracy and is a threat to the ability of governments to regulate their services. It would open the door to greater casino capitalism as it would hinder the ability of governments in the future to regulate the financial sector and thereby exposing us to the potential of another global financial crisis. Uruguay and Paraguay have already left the negotiations, believing the deal would be too big a threat to their national sovereignty and an ability to regulate multinational corporations in the interest of their citizens. Some parts of TISA operate on a negative list, meaning that if a country does not explicitly list areas it wants excluded from the deal, they are assumed to be included. This means that if any new service or products are invented, they are automatically included in the TISA. TISA will lock in privatisation of public services, it will make it much harder to reverse privatisation and will allow greater market access for multinational companies. Signatories to the TISA will have to treat foreign multinationals with at least as much favour as local companies. Even if the local companies are much smaller, thereby giving large multinational companies a free kick in our economy and jeopardising the jobs of Australians working for smaller companies, for NGOs or for government agencies. We will see services change from serving the public interest to serving the profit interest of private corporations. Such an agreement would also undermine online privacy as personal data could be moved across borders to countries with lax data protection laws. TISA has two clauses which, when taken together, will make it harder for a future government to realise public services, sorry, to renationalise public services. The two clauses in the TISA, when read together, make it clear that an agreement provides for the privatisation of a government service, the ratchet clause would then apply, and that will ensure that once a foreign company is allowed to provide the service, it will become almost impossible to reverse that decision. And the standstill clause means that no new regulation or legislation can be passed that gives foreign companies worse treatment than at the time the teaser was implemented. Therefore, as an example, it would entrench the idea of technological neutrality on matters such as energy policy, which would stop countries or states, given Australia's current debate about renewables, favouring renewable energy over coal, oil or gas. As a result of the, TS, the TPP and the teaser, we believe they to be a, a deliberate push by politicians to give away control of our public services and to funnel wealth into private hands. These agreements turn public services into commodities to be run for the benefit of business rather than in the interest of our community. We know that Australians are overwhelmingly opposed to privatisation and yet politicians continue with their privatisation agenda, selling off assets, outsourcing public services and negotiating international free trades to lock us into a future of private profit. My union, the CPSU, believes that we should have a say over how our services are run and for what and for whose benefit. That's why we, along with other public sector unions affiliated to the Public Service International, have launched the People's Inquiry into Privatisation. The inquiry is coming to Melbourne on the Tuesday the 18th of October.
I urge everyone here to come along and have your say about privatisation. We need to stand up and defend our public services. They are our services and should be run for the benefit of our community and not for private profit. Thank you all You're for coming You're on Stick out. Together, Union News and Worker Stories. We're going to finish off with a report on the Young Workers Conference that ran over two days last week. It's the first of its kind. And we're going to hear from some attendees. We're going to hear from Luke Hilakari, Secretary of the Victorian Trades Hall, who instigated the uh, Young Workers Centre, and uh, then the launch of the Young Workers Health and Safety Snapshot, one of the first pieces of research to come out of the Young Workers Centre. Uh, so I work at Melbourne Uni, where most of my colleagues are much older than I am, and so I don't really get much of an opportunity to talk to other young workers and, and hear from them about their experiences or about how we sort of go uh, about our early career pathways. So I'm really excited to come here and hear about, you know, important things like our rights at work, um, our futures at work, OHS, things that aren't necessarily at the front of my mind day to day at work. So yeah, I'm really excited for it. Thanks. Are you a, a union member? I am. I am. I'm with the NCU. Okay. And. Uh, so there's some of the uh, different sessions are about things like uh, running campaigns, that type of thing. Does that interest you? Yeah, absolutely. So I was at the Student Union at Melbourne Uni last year. I was one of the education officers there, and so one of my core roles was running campaigns on higher education policy issues. So it's something that's quite close to my heart, and, uh, and those sessions are, are definitely going to be of interest to me. And it's a big turnout, good turnout, so there's sort of, sort of uh, solidarity in numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really impressed by this turnout. I think well done to the, uh, the conference organisers. It should be a, a great couple of days. So why are you here? Uh, well, I'm here because I'm apparently still considered to be a young worker, um, but I'm interested in the rights of young workers in general. So for me, this is hopefully going to be a really valuable conference. So it's one of its kind, really, isn't it? Well, it's the first I've been to, so I'm really excited about it. And, um, yeah, look, the program looks to be great and been very well put together. Can you tell me why you're here? Uh, Just with the Sydney branch of the MUA. Yeah. And uh, me, the other guys are delegates. And, uh, yeah, you on the youth committee down there, and uh, we got nominated to um, come down to the conference. Are you a bit excited? Yes, extremely excited. It's a lot of good, good people here. Yeah, it's a lot of people to meet. It's going to be good. It's going to be an interesting two, couple of two days. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a bit of a learning experience. Can I ask you why you're here? Uh, yeah, just to be able to connect with other young workers and union members as well and to be able to uh, get a lot from the talkers that we will be listening to today. You're from the AMWU. Yep. Yeah, just here to learn more about organising in the workplace. and yeah. yeah. No, it's interesting because there's a good cross-section of people. So there's... Uh, what would be called blue-collar people, as well as people who might be called white-collar people. So what do you reckon about that? Yeah, no, it's good to have a cross-section. And Yeah, I'm definitely blue-collar myself. (laughs) Uh, Everyone needs representation in the workplace, whether white-collar or blue-collar. Good networking experience. What's that, sir? Good networking experience. Yeah, definitely. Can I ask you... um, this is part of your initiative, having the Young uh, Workers Centre. How are you uh, feeling about this rather successful conference? It's amazing. Uh, this is uh, the first time we've had 250 people attend a conference like this. Um, from our point of view, this is the most important conference going on in Australia right now. It is young people talking to young people about how they can improve their working lives. Nothing is more important than that. 
Uh, we have quadrupled the numbers from last year. Um, so we're really excited. We've got a lot of energy in the room and these people are going to help make change. Now, there was somebody was saying to me that there's a bit of controversy over the centre in the sense that it offers uh, training for people who are not union members already. Now, what's that strategy about? Yeah, so we do more than just that. Uh, we go to schools. We have conversations with people as they're about to get their very first job about what it is like to stand up for your rights at work and what is it like to uh, make sure that you're aware of health and safety hazards that affect disproportionately young people more than anywhere else in the population. Um, I don't think that's a controversial thing to do. I think that's quite a sophisticated thing to do. If we're not talking to young people about their rights, well, who is? And I'll tell you who is. It'll be groups like the Herald Sun, they'll talk to the boss, they'll talk to the HR manager. It's our job as a community to do this work and we're very proud to do it. Um, I'd now like to introduce our fearless leader, Secretary of the Victorian <laughs> Trades Hall Council, Luke Hillicari, to the state um, to launch a Young Workers' Centre exciting first piece of research on health and safety. Now, the guts of what I'm supposed to do today is to launch the report. The report is called Young Workers' Health and Safety Snapshot. But the truth of this is this is a hidden story that should be the front page of every newspaper, it should be the front story on every you know, TV, news bulletin, from now until Christmas, right? This is how scathing these type of reports are. We've gone out between July and August and we've spoken to a thousand young people about what it's like to you know, be in a workplace. We want to know what it's like to be at work because we sort of instinctively, if we're talking to some of our comrades in the room here, knew that people were having a tough time and you know, some of the worksafe stats were showing that people were having a difficult time, but you couldn't quite firmly grasp it without talking to people. And as unionists and young organisers in the room, we know that's the only way to do stuff, right? If you want to make change, you want to understand stuff, you have to actually have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And what young people told us is that one out of two of them, so over 50% of young people, are being harassed and bullied at work. So the person sitting next to you has been harassed or bullied at work. It has happened, it's happening all the time, and the problem is, it's becoming normalised. And it's not just happening from clients that come in and you know, have a conversation with you at a retail or hospitality or law firm, or whatever your job is. Um, it's, it's also happening from bosses and co-workers and stuff like that. Um, and one of the quotes that sort of stuck with me was that, uh, and I'll just read this to you from a young female gaming worker who's 23 years old, said, I feel that sexual harassment is so common at work it's no longer treated like it's an issue. Just not an issue anymore, you know, this is, this is my working life. Um, and we know that the only way we're going to make change is by having conferences That's like it this. for today. Thank you for listening in. Thanks to Dave Oliver, Karen Batt, Luke Hilakari and the delegates from the Young Workers Conference for talking to us. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.